You're listening to a podcast of the Sunday morning message from Grace Christian Church in the city of Cork on the beautiful south coast of Ireland. We hope and pray that it will be a blessing to you. recognize who that is? Who is it? Who? Who? Roman Jacker. Who? Who is Roman Jagger? Is it Michael Jagger? It is Michael Jagger. Yes. What's the band called? The Rolling Stones. Yes, it's the Rolling Stones and their fabulous 1964 hit, Time is on my side. How many people remember when that was out first? No, put your hand down. We don't want to remember that. I wasn't even born when this song was opened. Look at Mick Jagger's face. Look how beautiful and youthful and healthy he looks. 1964, he was only barely a teenager. And he said, time is on my side. But it wasn't, Mick. <laughs> if you've seen Mick Jagger, and I wouldn't do it to the poor fellow, no. But Mick Jagger, no. You, if you look at him, you realize, no, maybe actually time wasn't on your side, Mick. Josiah, will you put up the message for me, please, my friend? Thank you. Good man yourself. I want to look this morning at time. And I want to look at the way that time maybe works a little bit in our lives and maybe the way God works with time in our lives. I wanted to, I wanted to call this morning's message, and I decided I would because I can, because it's my message. I called it Against the Clock. Is your life running against the clock? If you came into town this morning like I did, and I walked up from the city center, there was an awful lot of people running around going, and they're looking at their watches going, and they're running, and they're running, and they're running, and they're trying to, some of them are running 26 miles, some of them are running 13 miles, some of them are running 5 miles, but they're all running, and most of them are running against the clock. And when you get to the finishing line, you get your time, and you realize, I did the marathon many years ago in a galaxy far, far away in 2012, and I made a really big burst for the last three miles, and I crossed the line, and I carried a tricolor on my shoulders. No, I didn't, that's going too far. Um, I, I ran across the line, and when I got finally past the line, I realized that I had come in 2117th. And I ran the legs off myself for that last three miles. It was lovely overtaking all these people going. I felt so strong and powerful striding past them. You know, sometimes we feel like our life is running against the clock. The week before last, I was talking about God's perfect plan for our lives. And we were looking at sometimes God's perfect plan is not the kind of, kind of plan that we have, but God has another plan at work, but he does work out his perfect plans for our lives. What I want to look at this morning very briefly is God's perfect timing. God's timing for your life is perfect. It is absolutely perfect. God is never too late and he's never too early. What he's doing in your life will happen on the time and in the time and in the situation where you, uh, where you probably least expect it, but where God is in control of the timing. You see, if we look at our lives in terms of time, how many people here have ever had to wait for anything? Did you ever have to wait for anything? Yeah, that's, that's all of us. If you have never waited for anything, you are probably the crown prince bin Salman al-Hussein, and you never have to wait for anything. 
But if you're just a normal person, you wait, because waiting is part of life. And I want to look this morning just a little bit about waiting, and I want to look at the way that sometimes we can wait in different types of ways, waiting for God to bring about his best in our lives. I'm going to look at a story, and by the way, good morning to Cafe Church. I don't know if, you can, if you've tuned in or not yet, but good morning to you. We're going to be looking at a couple of verses in a second, and I'll give you the heads up on that. Um, Anyway, I want to look at a few verses this morning. I'm going to be looking at them from uh, 2 Kings chapter 8. But to give you a little bit of background to the story in 2 Kings chapter 8, there's a guy, the main character in 2 Kings chapter 8 is a guy called Elisha. And Elisha is, uh, is basically God's man of power for the hour. He is bringing God's will, God's words, and God's ways to the people. He's moving in amazing, miraculous power. And a few chapters before this, there is a woman that he, who, who he goes to stay with. He's staying with this woman. She's an old woman. She builds a room onto her house so that he can stay there. Um, and when he's there with her, she has a baby. By the miraculous intervention of God, she has a baby. And the woman that is in this story is the woman to whom God gave this baby miraculously at the word of Elisha. That's just, that's the only background you need to know. And this guy, Elisha, is a very powerful prophet. And we'll be listening, we'll be looking at his servant, a guy called Gehazi, for a few seconds as well. So we're going to look at these few verses. Can we pray before we read God's word? Is that okay? Let's bow our heads for a second, Lord. This is your word. We pray that as we listen to it, as we read it, I pray, Lord, we would take it into our heads and take it into our hearts, that it would do the changing work in us that you intend it to do, Lord. May we be built up as we look at your word and all of its aspects this morning, in head, in heart, and in soul, be here, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Let's begin this short passage. If you want to throw it up alone, Cafe Church, that would be great too. Here we go. Please do click for me. There we go. Elisha had told the woman whose son he had brought back to life, which was an extension to the story I was just telling. He said to her, take your family and move to some other place. If the Lord has, because for the Lord has called for a famine on Israel that will last for seven years. And so the woman did as the man of God instructed. She took her family and settled in the land of the Philistines for seven years. After the famine ended, she returned from the land of the Philistines. And she went back to see the king about getting back her house and her land. Before I go any further, I just want to make a point here. Sometimes when you're reading your Bible, you come across a statement like this. She went to the land of the Philistines. And the next verse will say, she came back from the land of the Philistines. Or you'll hear something like, Moses prayed and the Lord spoke to him. And a verse later it would say, and the Lord spoke to Moses as he prayed. You've got to remember that in the writing of ancient manuscripts, there was no underlining, there was no bold, and there was no italicizing of letters. So to bring emphasis to any point, a writer would repeat a statement several times, and the point is we're supposed to pay particular attention to what it is that he repeats. In this story, it refers to the woman going down to the land of the Philistines, and then coming back up from the land of the Philistines seven years later. The point of this is she went from a place where God had provided for her. The circumstances changed and she went down to live basically in the land of her enemies. 
Her land was gone. Her home was gone. Her fields were gone. Her crops were gone. Her wealth was gone. And she was effectively cast out and lived as an exile amongst her enemies. The Philistines hated the Israelites. The Israelites hated the Philistines. And the enmity between them at this stage had been going on for hundreds and hundreds of years. So when this woman gives up everything she has and everything she owns, and goes down to the Philistines, it's like us having experiences in our lives that cost us dearly, whether it's emotionally, psychologically, materially. We all, at times in our lives, go through periods when we are effectively exiled to the land of the Philistines, or so it feels like. We feel like we're in the middle of our enemies, stuck away almost invisible, out of sight, not knowing what's going to happen. And this whole process takes seven years in the case of this woman's life. She spends seven years not knowing what was going on. Now, would you think that given that she was a faithful woman, she prayed as she left the land of Israel to go down to the land of the Philistines? I think she prayed. I think she hoped. I think she longed that this would be a short period of time and this would be a short event in her life. She prayed. She hoped. She pleaded, I'm sure, with the Lord that she would have her situation restored. But it was a very difficult time in Israel because the king back then, who was looking after the Israelites, he wasn't a particularly nice bloke. He was a particularly bad guy, in actual fact, and he had a habit of taking people's land from them. So that when she was gone, it's as likely as anything that the king of the, of the Israelites said, you know what, I think I'll just take their land. I think I'll just take people's land. And normally people's land was either claimed or confiscated in their absence. And so that's where we are in this story. The woman comes back empty-handed from the land of her enemies. But when God is with his people, they never end up empty-handed in the land of their enemies. That's how God's economy works. I just love the next part of this story. You can go back to it again if you want to down below in Cafe Church. This is, so she goes to see the king about getting her house and her land back. Any chance I could get it back. Now remember, she's a widow. And so at this stage, she doesn't really have much of an entitlement to getting her land back because land has passed through the male side. It wasn't my fault. It's the way that it was in ancient Israel long before hashtag equality. Anyway, moving quickly on. As, as she came in, the king was talking to Gehazi, the servant of the man, the servant of the man of Elisha. The king had just said, tell me some stories about the great things Elisha has done. And Gehazi was telling the king about the time Elisha had brought a boy back to life. This woman's son had been brought back to life by Elisha. And it says this, at that very moment, the mother of the boy walked in to make her appeal to the king about her house and her land. Are you beginning to see something going on here in God's purposes and plans and timing? Can you see a little bit of a narrative emerging in this story? At that moment, the mother of the boy walked in to make her appeal to the king about her house and land. Look, my lord, the king, he said. Here is the woman now, and this is her son, the very one that Elisha brought back to life. Is this true? The king asked her. And she told him the story. And so he directed one of his officials to see that everything she had lost was restored to her, including the value of any crops that had been harvested during her absence. Yeah. 
What a turnaround. She's off down in the lands of her enemies. She's off down in the lands of her enemies. Doesn't know what's going on in the land of Israel. They're going through famine, starvation, trouble, trial. Her land has been stolen. She comes back in just at the moment when this conversation takes place. And God moves in miraculous timing to change her circumstances incredibly. Not only so much that she also has the crops that were harvested during her absence were restored to her, the value of those. Can that happen in your life? I believe that can happen in your life. No, I don't know that that's going to happen every week or every day, or every year in your life. But there will be times when, if you will, time and, and prophecy, as it were, will rhyme together in your life. The timing of God and your situation will rhyme together, and God will move and change circumstances. I was speaking to somebody recently who had, who had received a promise from God about getting a specific job. There was a specific job that had come up, and they said they really felt that God had spoken to them about they were going to get this particular job. And so they prayed, and they expected, and they waited, and went to the interview, and did all the bits and pieces, and did all the things about the job. This is four years ago. And after the, after the interview happened, this person said, yeah, it's going to happen. We just know the doors are going to open. Everything seems to be happening for us. The doors are opening. We're being welcomed. This is great. And then no job. And then the person tried for the job again a year later. No job. Tried again. No job. And this person began to pray and say, Lord, I thought that I heard you. I thought that this was a real situation. I thought that I heard your voice. I thought that the door was going to open, that this was going to be the root of your provision for us. Trade again, no job. And then, out of the blue, the person that she'd applied for the job for contacted her and said, I was wondering, would you be available for this job? And then suddenly, out of nothing, long after it had all been given up, God resurrected that situation and fulfilled his word to that person. And that's the way God works. You see, we have a, a, an idea sometimes in our heads that it all works in accordance with the way we see things. That we have this idea about time that is, that, that's, you know, that, that's perfect. We have, this, we have a linear, a very linear idea of time that one thing happens after another. But that's not the way it is for God. Many of you will be familiar with these verses from, uh, from 2 Peter chapter 3. But he says to them, but don't forget this thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years. And a thousand years are like one day. A day is like a thousand years. Now some people have taken these verses and tried to make it fit some kind of heavenly cosmic system by which Jesus will return. And you know, it's a, a thousand years is one day. So every time we see, read the word day in the Bible, it means a thousand years. No, it doesn't. All he's saying is that. He's saying that to God, time is not an issue. He's not on our clock. So one day is the same to him as 365,000 days. It kind of feels more painful when you put it that way, doesn't it? Lord, and he says, I will move in that day. Like which of the 365,000 days are you talking about, Lord, that you're going to move in? He's outside of time. You see, God sees time at all times, at the one time, simultaneously, because he is in eternity, which is not subject to time. It is only we. Dear human beings and the created order that is subject to what some people call the tyranny of time. But God is the maker and the creator of time. And the one who made and created time is also the one who made and created you. Do you think he can work things out for you and work out his plan and his perfect timing for your life? But we don't like waiting. We don't like even waiting for a bus. 
Never mind say waiting for a great breakthrough spiritually. We don't like waiting. I don't like waiting. And do you know how you'll know when I don't like waiting? I will begin to twitch. I'll begin, you'll see my leg will begin to move. My knee will begin to twitch. And then if you stand and watch me long enough while I wait, my hips are going to start moving. And before you know it, my shoulders are going to start twitching. And they will say, Michael, are you okay? I said, no, no, I'm okay. I just wait here, no problem, don't worry. And before I know it, I'm shaking all over. I don't like to wait. I'm an impatient man. And I don't like to wait. How many people here? Come on. Confession is good for the soul. Would describe themselves as patient people. You filthy bunch of liars. Honest to goodness. I know half of you. You gave out to me last week because I was late. Patience does not, you know, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. Yeah. See, the thing about patience is it is one of the slow growing fruits of the spirit. We don't like to be patient, do we? Amen, Mary. All this patience makes the fruit all, all the sweeter. God bless you, Mary. You know, I don't like to wait. How many people here would describe themselves as being impatient? Amen. I knew I was in the right church. And you know, interestingly, just a tiny scattering said that they were patient. A large number of people said they were impatient. And then there's a load of people in the middle. I think you might be dead. Corrie Ten Boom. Corrie Ten Boom was a very famous writer. She was a survivor of one of the Nazi concentration camps. And she said this, I, th- I loved it, I hate it, but I love it all at the same time because it's really true. She says this, she says, there's no hurry in heaven. There's no hurry in heaven. Nobody in heaven is going, quick, quick, it's nearly, get quick, come over, quick, quick, hold that up, look, it's going to fall down. There's no hurry in heaven. Nobody says, oh, look, I blast, I forgot to answer that prayer, give me two minutes, one second. Nobody does that. Do you ever notice the difference between people who are always in a hurry? Anybody here ever in a hurry? You see them kind of walking up. You know, they kind of have this pace about them that's just unusual. And they never really, I know I'm kind of a person who's always in a hurry. And I never seem to get anything completely done ever. You know, most things just get done. I never get everything completely done. It's always, ah, no, I forgot to do that. I have a to-do list about 500 things in it. I'll do 499. But the most important one, the 500 one, I'll forget. I am but human. Amen. But the point here is this. There is no hurry in heaven. God's timing is perfect. When he doesn't rush, we shouldn't rush. When he's not in a hurry, we shouldn't be in a hurry. You see, we have to wait in life. But there is a wrong way to wait. And there's a right way to wait. And for this woman, she had to wait seven years, the woman in the story. No, she could have waited the wrong way, like so many of us do, and be full of anxiety and worry and, oh no, what's going to happen if, and what if the Philistines don't do this, and what if the Israelites take that, and what, we can wind ourselves up with worry while we wait if we wish. I didn't mean all the W's, they just came out of my mouth. Anyway, we can do that if we want to. That is the wrong way to wait. The right way to wait, I suggest, is to trust in God. The right way to wait is to say, you know, has God given a promise? Is there, it, will we have to wait two years? Will we have to wait three years? Will we have to wait five years? That's okay. Because when he brings it in his time, it will be perfect. Amen.
I was talking the other day to uh, Damien and Michelle. We were at their wedding on Thursday. And I was just talking to them at the table. Uh, you know, when you know, they were sitting up at the top and I just went up and had a chat with them. And, and they were saying, I was saying, you know, how, how do you feel about it all? You know, neither of them is, is exactly, well, Damien's not a spring chicken. I can't say anything about Michelle. She's lovely. But Damien's not exactly a spring chicken. He's nearly as, he's nearly as young as me, really. But, uh, um, so I was talking to them and they said, you know, this, when, when, when I talked to them, I said, would you say that this was worth waiting for? And they both said, yes, the perfect person for me, the right person for me has finally come into my life. And was it worth waiting for? What in your life, brothers and sisters, friends, would you say is worth waiting for? Then wait on the Lord for it. We don't like, we don't like waiting. I like what this guy says, Louis Giglio. He's a fantastic speaker, member or a leader of the Passion Organization in America, a Christian organization. He's a speaker and an author. And he says this, he says, to us, waiting is wasting. But to God, waiting is working. You see, we think, oh no, all this time being wasted, waiting for a bus or waiting for the wife or waiting for the job or waiting for the children to just get dressed, whatever it is. We think it's just wasting. I'm wasting my time here. But God never wastes time. He is always at work. He is always at work. How would you like to turn your waste into God's work? How would you like to see what you consider to be wasted time be turned into God's timing. I, I like this illustration. I've used this illustration before. So if I have, and you've seen it before, you can fall asleep. It's just fine. And snore if you will. It's great to come into the rest in the house of God. It's like this. I think it's like this. I think, I think the Christian walk is very often just like this. How many people here have ever seen a trapeze act? You may not have seen one live. You might have seen one on TV when we were kids on Christmas Day afternoon. You had to watch the uh, Moscow State Circus because they didn't get Christmas Day off. It was terrible. And uh, you had to watch the circus on Christmas Day afternoon. And we always loved the trapeze, the high-flying, high-wire act. Has anybody ever actually seen one of these live? Yeah. That's where we're of an age. <laughs> Everybody else is watching it on video. Anyway. Um, in the, I think this is a good illustration of the way that we live in faith. You see, see these two guys here. Is it a guy and a girl? I think it's a girl on the, on the right as you look at it. So as these two people have prepared for this event, nobody kind of shows up and says, do you know, I was thinking we might do an old trapeze act. I was thinking that idea. And he says, yeah, that's a brilliant idea. Will we take down the net as well and do our safety net? That's a great idea. And nobody kind of shows up and gets up onto it and says, just a minute now, you swing away there. I'm just going to text me friends. Give me two seconds there now. I'm just going to Snapchat this one. <laughs> nobody does that, do they? When they go up on the trapeze, they're ready. They've practiced time and time and time again. But no matter how often they've practiced, there is this brilliant moment. There is this brilliant moment when the person, I, I should have worn the head mounted man. When the person who is, is doing the jumping, the person on the right here, at a point, they have to let go of the bar they're swinging off. They're going to swing through. The, somewhere along the line, they have to let go. Sorry, that was just for effect. Let me try that again. See, do, you, do you get it though? Somewhere along the line, they have to go. I'm swinging towards them, swinging towards them. I have to let go of the bar and trust that this Muppet here on the left-hand side 
is going to grab me with his hands. That his hands are strong enough that his timing is right and he's going to grab me as I float through the air. I think that is a great illustration of the Christian walk. Somewhere along the line, lads, we'll have to trust and know God's timing. And that is part of the walk of faith. It's trusting God and waiting for his timing to happen. Somewhere along the line, you're going to have to let go of the bar. Does anybody want to let go of a bar this morning and say, Lord, will you catch me? That's what we want to do. We want to let go of the bar. Well, no, we don't want to let go of the bar. Nobody wants to let go of the bar. The bar is keeping you from falling. But there's a point at which you have to trust the hands of somebody else if you really want to walk that whole walk. I like when, uh, when, when David says this. David, the, the writer of the Psalms, the former King David, he says this. He says, my times are in your hands. I like that. You know, your times are in God's hands. Whatever's going on in your life, God's got your times. Your time, the span of your life and the things that are going on in your life, they're in his hands. And I love the way he then flips it over and he says this. He says, deliver me from the hands of my enemies, from those who pursue me. Have you got an enemy pursuing you this morning? Maybe that enemy is a bill. Maybe that enemy is a teacher. Maybe that enemy is an exam or a job or a boss or a wife. Let us close in prayer now. Or a big hairy husband. Thank you for that positive reinforcement, sister. His times, your times are in his hands. And he will rescue you from the hands of your enemies if you trust in him. Now, why did the woman at the start of the story receive the blessing she did? I'll tell you why she received it. Because she had sown into the life of Elisha. The reason that she received the blessing she did isn't because God said, I really like that woman. She's lovely. I think I'll give her back all her land and all her crops and give her back everything she owned. Because she's a really, really nice woman. That is not why God did that. It happened because a simple law was at work, the law of sowing and reaping. This woman had sown generosity to Elisha. She had given of her resources. She'd given of her time and she'd given of her energy. And then God honored that and she reaped it back when her losses were restored. Brothers and sisters, it's never the wrong time to sow good things in your life. It is never wrong. And if you want to know, what is the perfect time in my life? There's some things that it's always the perfect time to do. It's always the perfect time to pray. Amen, said one person. It's always the perfect time to pray. It's always the perfect time to give. It's always the perfect time to receive. Amen. It's always the perfect time to love someone. It's always the perfect time to trust God. It's always the perfect time to forgive someone and let go of a grudge. It's always the perfect time to do that. If you've got an enemy, remember, remember, your times are in God's hands. We're nearly there, guys. This is what the psalmist goes on to say. He says, rest in the Lord And wait patiently for him to act. Don't fret and worry. Do you want to get rid of some of the fret and the worry and the anxiety and the concern in your life? Wait patiently for the Lord. Wait patiently for the Lord. 
Because sometimes we rush on and we try and sort things out for ourselves. And in the process of trying to make things right, we just end up making a mess. I'm sure that's happened to one or two people here. We try and sort things out ourselves instead of trusting God and the situation gets worse instead of getting better. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him to act. Don't fret and worry. Take Paul's advice. Turn your worries into prayers. Trust in God. He's got your future. Would anyone say? Final verse for this morning. I love this. Loved it since the first time I read it in my Bible when I was a Christian just a couple of weeks. He said this. I waited patiently for the Lord to help me. And he turned to me and he heard my cry. I don't know that very often in my life I've waited that patiently for the Lord. But I know this, there is no other real way to wait for the Lord. Have you got a situation, you're waiting for the timing of God to put right in your life? You're waiting for a breakthrough that could be a job or a relationship. It could be a friendship. It could be a boss. It could be a home rental. It could be a house purchase. I don't know. You know your life, but you're waiting on God to move. How's about this? We pray this morning for God's perfect timing in our life. Would you be willing to pray that prayer this morning? I'm going to ask you to stand. Will you stand with me? I'm going to ask the band to come up. I'm going to pray for two things. We want to pray for God's perfect timing in our lives. And we want, to, we want to pray this morning and say, Lord, would you hear my cry? I love it when it says, the psalmist says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined, is the old version that I used to read, and he heard my cry. Have you got a cry of the heart? A heart-rending cry of the heart you want to raise before the Lord this morning. We're going to lift that before the Lord as well and say, Lord, would you help us? Lord, would you move in this situation in our lives? And Lord, would you give us patience for your perfect timing in our lives? We're going to pray that. Let's close our eyes for a second. If you want to pray, just as the band are getting ready here. If you want to pray this morning for God's perfect timing in your life. Perhaps you're on the run before your enemies. Maybe your enemy is a bill or a boss. I don't know what your enemy is this morning. Maybe you're on the run before an enemy. You want to say, Lord, I need to trust in you. I want to wait patiently for you, for your deliverance. Deliver me from the hands of my enemies. If that's your prayer this morning, would you raise your hand? Let's see your hand. Just, just leave your hands in the air for a second. If you're here this morning and you're, you know there's just this cry of your heart, you're saying, Lord, I'm longing for this promise to come to pass. I'm longing for you to hear this cry of my heart. I want to raise it up before you again. Lord, would you incline and hear the cry of my heart again this morning? If that's you, would you raise your hand this morning? Hallelujah. Lord Jesus, and this morning if your prayer is, Lord, I really want to know your perfect timing, whether it's perfect timing in a relationship or in a job, whether it's perfect, perfect timing in relation to a career or a study, a marriage. Lord, I really want to know your perfect timing. Don't let me make a mess of this. If that's your prayer this morning, will you raise your hand? We're going to sing just the bridge and the chorus from the song Resurrecting. Your name is victory. And as we begin to sing, I'm going to invite you to come forward to the front. We're going to bring these cries of the heart before God. We're going to bring ourselves before God and ask for his perfect timing.
to be fulfilled, to come to pass in every area of our lives. Your, your name, name is victory. Let's come to the front and pray together. Is victory. All praise will rise to Christ our King. Your name, your name is victory. All praise will rise to Christ our King. By your Spirit I will rise from the ashes of defeat. The resurrected King is resurrecting me. In your name I come alive to declare your victory. The resurrected King is resurrecting me. As evidence that God's timing is perfect, right at the back of this room down here, there's a couple who tried everything they could within their power to have a child because God had put that burden in their hearts and they wanted to become parents. And everything they tried, sometimes the situation got worse as they tried. And then without the intervention of man, the intervention of science, the intervention of doctors or anybody else, in God's perfect time, young Grace McGuire was born. And if I'm not mistaken, this is her first Sunday in here, isn't that right? Welcome, Grace McGuire. God bless you, my love. If you want to know God's perfect timing at work in your life, will you raise your hands? If you want to bring a burden before God, would you raise your hands? And if you've got the simplest of prayers, the prayer for patience, would you raise yours? Let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ, we, like the psalmist this morning, confess that our times are in your hands. And Lord, none of us here like wasting time, and none of us here like waiting. It's just not part of the human nature to enjoy waiting. But Lord, we are willing to wait because we want your best. Would anyone say amen? We want your best to come to pass in our lives, Lord. We ask you, Lord, for that cry that's on our hearts right now. You know mine. You know the the cries in the hearts of so many people here this morning. Lord, our cry is, in your perfect time, will you bring your promise to pass? Will you see, Lord, just like for this woman, that what was stolen from us would be restored? And all the losses that we thought we would take would be added back to us in Jesus' name. Lord, we want your best in our lives because our best simply just doesn't cut it. We want what you want, Lord. And Lord, sometimes we will resist that, but we ask that you would give us patience. Lord, we pray that we would be able to say, like the psalmist David said, I waited patiently for the Lord and he inclined and heard my cry because they that wait upon the Lord will renew their strength 
Help us, Lord, to know your perfect timing, Lord. For so many people here, Lord, there are, Lord, in this room, there are dozens and dozens of testimonies of your perfect timing coming to pass, Lord. Lord, we commit and submit ourselves into your hands because that's what we want for our lives. We bring that relationship. We bring that bill, that boss, that study, that exam before you, Lord. Whatever it is, we bring it before you, Lord. We ask you, Lord, you would deliver us from the hands of our enemies because our times are in your hands. And as we go from this place here today, Lord, as we go from Grace Christian Church here today on June 3rd, 2018, Lord, I pray, Lord, we wouldn't go with our eye on our own clock, but we would go with hearts that trust in you, that you know what you are doing, that you know the work that you are undertaking in our lives. Lord, that there is no hurry in heaven, but that you are at work. Can I invite everyone, let's all raise our hands as we close this morning in prayer. Lord, not one of us here, not one of us here knows what the future holds, but we know who holds the future. And it is to that one that we turn this morning, our Lord. We turn to our Lord and our God, the one who holds the future. And we say, Lord, bring your best into our lives in this coming week, Lord. We pray, Lord, you'd sift out what the enemy would put at us, Lord, and send our way, Lord. But you would deliver us from evil. Bring your best. Bring your timing. Bring your blessing upon our lives, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. God bless you, brothers and sisters. God bless you. Now let's go with expectant hearts, expecting God to move. The guys are going to play us out in a second. We're serving tea and coffee upstairs. Whoever just want to bring your attention to something. Sorry, guys, just a second. The people who come to Grace Christian Church are the only way that Grace Christian Church is financially supported. We don't get funding from any other source, any other place, any other institution or organization. So we would appreciate if you would remember, if you would remember our offerings, your tithes and offerings this week. We've got two offering boxes here. You can give in the boxes here. You can give at the credit of debit card machine down below or via online on give2.graceireland.ie. We appreciate your supports and your offerings. God bless you and go with you. Enjoy the coffee. Enjoy the fellowship. Enjoy the good weather. Enjoy the good music. And we'll see you on Tuesday night at half past seven. Amen. Over to you.